Harbors Magazine, covering Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox, on the web at mainboats.com. WERU is currently seeking applicants for a one-year, full-time AmeriCorps VISTA community service position to do outreach and marketing work for WERU. The goal of the position is to gain new listeners, members, and volunteers, especially in Greater Bangor. An applicant will be selected in May and begin service in late July, contingent upon funding. For more information and to apply, go to www.weru.org. The deadline for applications is May 17th. This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble & Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for over 20 years. Near the harbor in Camden, gambleandhunter.net. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online around the world at weru.org. Boat Talk with hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning. It's uh, the second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock in the morning, right here at Community Radio WERU-FM Blue Hill, streaming around the world at weru.org. It's time for Boat Talk. Boat Talk is a call-in show for people contemplating things naval, and uh, it's your hosts, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague here, along with uh, our usual um, advisor, we'll call him, Giffy Full is back. And plus we have two guests in the studio today. We'll be talking with later, the uh, now retiring president of Maine Maritime Academy, Len Tyler, and Tom McKay, the son of George McKay of Raw Faith fame. We're going to be getting to those folks in just a little bit, but Boat Talk is, as I said, a a call-in show for people contemplating naval, and it's uh, a show that's sort of centered here in the Gulf of Maine, where things are good, and uh, some of the boots, some of the boats are crude. We can extend all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico, where even the water is crude. Sorry to make a kind Wait. of a, a sad joke about that. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. It certainly is in the news, but Mike, uh, let's go ahead with the. Loop. Always have to have a pun to get boat talk started, and that was a uh, very timely current events. And who knows if that'll come up today? It's not a good story, is it? No, it's certainly not. Um, we're gonna run boat talk a little different this morning. We often do the couple things in the marine news, but we got a. Uh, Len Tyler in here from Maine Maritime Academy, and Len needs to be in Boston later today, so we thought we'd talk to Len, and we also have a big crowd. We got more uh, people than we got microphones, so when we get rid of, of uh, Len, we can uh, move Tom over and <laughs> talk about his voyage. He tried to uh, go to the Caribbean last winter, and all kinds of stuff to talk about this morning, but, uh, you know, let's start this morning and, and uh, welcome uh, Len Tyler to Boat Talk. Good morning. Well, thank you very much. Good to be here. Um, now, Dr. Len Tyler, you were just uh, afforded a uh, honorary degree. I was at, at graduation uh, ceremony last Saturday, and uh, it was quite an honor, and uh, I certainly appreciate it. You're off to Boston this afternoon. You said you're going to be honored for something else. 
Well, it's the Boston Marine Society. I'm a member down there, and it's their annual dinner. And uh, this year, uh, they've asked if they could honor me uh, as, uh, for my service in the maritime industry and Domain Maritime Academy. And it says here also the U.S. Maritime Administration has honored you in the fa- I mean, but here's the thing, Len. You've just worn them out. You've been around for a long, long time. I have. I, you know, I, I came up to Maine and to Maine Maritime Academy from New York in, in the summer of 1969. Uh, in an unusual manner, I, I came up here as a assistant football coach and uh, a basketball coach and uh, had never been to Maine, never heard of Maine Maritime Academy. And, uh, but when I got there, I found something that was really unique. Weren't uh, you lucky, yeah. It really was. I mean, and what I found was this uh, wonderful college on the, on the coast of Maine that provided some unique and wonderful opportunities for, for young, in, that, in those days, young men from Maine. And then in the early 70s, it, it broadened its scope and, uh, and started in 1974. Uh, provided opportunities for both young men and young women from Maine and and from uh, the rest of the country as well. And you've been literally at Maine Maritime for like 40 years. I'm joking that you kind of wore them <laughs> out. And, uh, you know, they got to give you these honors because you've been around so long. I know you've earned them. But, um, and again, uh, last, what, 14 years as the president? Uh, actually, 15, going on 16 years as president. I, I took over as interim president in uh, August of 1994. Uh, relieving Ken Curtis at the time, and uh, was asked to serve in the interim basis uh, for a year while they conducted a search, and ultimately uh, at the end of the search, uh, they asked if I would continue on as as president, which I I was pleased to do. Maine Maritime has, um, I, I would think that it's pretty fair to say the place is booming. The academy is, is doing extremely well. Uh, you know, we, we diversified 10, 15 years ago, uh, so we have other majors today uh, other than just the, the deck and the license program. Uh, we have majors in small vessel operation, power engineering technology, marine biology, marine science. Uh, we've been able to uh, sort of buck the trend of uh, declining high school graduation rates, uh, and and the academy today has uh, over 900 students, uh, by far the largest in our history, and uh, the prospects for next year and the future seem to be equally as good. Now, uh, on your watch, um, I believe it was uh, U.S. News or U.S. Business Report has named Maine Maritime Academy one of the top ten small colleges in the country. Yes, it has. It's been for probably the last six years or so we've been rated right up there, and uh, it certainly is a, an that's, honor. That's quite an honor, especially for a, for a maritime academy. You know, it's not your run-of-the-mill kind of college. No, it, it, it is an honor, and uh, I think of all the maritime, there's six maritime academies, state maritime academies in the country, and, and then the federal maritime academy at Kings Point, New York. And I, I believe uh, Maine Maritime Academy uh, leads the list. Uh, Kings Point may have rated it higher than us in, in one of those uh, polls, but uh, for this little college in, in the state of Maine, uh, you know, it, as I was saying before, the opportunities for young people are very, very good. If you look at the other state academies, one state academy is in California, a population of 33 million, mm-hmm. one in New York, Texas, Michigan, Massachusetts, and little old Maine up here uh, with 1.3 million. So, I mean, the, the opportunities for young people are much greater here because of the size of the population. And, and 
uh, if you look around the industry and ask around in the industry, you'll find that uh, that Maine Maritime Academy has just uh, a wonderful reputation. Can I tell you about my uncle? He uh, graduated Maine Maritime in the mid-60s um, and is just uh, sort of trying to retire still as a chief engineer. And um, I remember so well when we brought him down to Castine. I thought it was the end of the earth. <laughs> okay? I'd never been to Castine. Thought it was the end of the earth. And, uh, but he graduated successfully, started uh, running things back and forth to Vietnam in those years, you know, and again, has had quite a career. We in the family always called him Uncle Moneybags because he had a very good job and he was also half, uh, ha home for half the year, you know, and he put that into property and, and whatever and had done very, very well for himself. And again, he uh, went through the engineering program. You guys, uh, as you say, have diversified. You now educate people in, in a lot more different ways and, and um, I'm noticing here that uh, the people working on the windmills up in Stetson, for instance, Maine Maritime Engineers, running wood-burning power plants, Maine Maritime Engineers, a lot of engineers ashore as well. Well, that's uh, a few years ago we added power engineering, and uh, it's uh, based on shoreside power production. Uh, prior to that time, our marine engineers who graduated and went to sea and then they came to shore always took the jobs in the, in the power companies. Uh, a few years ago they did a study and, and the, the paper that came out said who controls power in Maine and it actually was Maine Maritime Academy because virtually every uh, power plant was managed and run by a Maine Maritime Academy graduate. Uh, my background also I was admissions director at the Academy and, and quite often you go to high schools and and you would call ahead and make sure they knew you were coming and sometimes you would have nobody to talk to and and I would say, you don't have anybody interested in engineering. And they said, oh, yeah, we do, but not in marine engineering. And so we added power engineering uh, a number of years ago so that uh, we had an opportunity to talk to more students at the, in the high schools and uh, to understand what actually what marine engineering is all about is, is power engineering, whether it's a power uh, system that runs a ship or, or produces power for the industry or for the general population. Uh, it's the same thing. So uh, that that was the first uh, inroads to broadening our uh, our number of majors that we offered. My other impression is that the employment rate upon graduation is pretty good. Well, in the in the forty years that I've been at Maine Maritime Academy, uh, there's been a few lean years along the way, but I honestly, if you know, the, the difference between a lean year and a really good year is that in the lean year, uh, it might take two or three months for a student to find a graduate to find a, a job in in using their, their major. In the really good years, uh, most of the graduates have two or three job offers at graduation time. So. Yeah. Here's another cool thing from the uh, paper is a fellow named <coughs> Curtis Brown. He is from, uh, what, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, Florida, I believe, and he landed down to Maine Maritime. And again, Curtis, when he landed down in Castine, went, oh, my God, it's the end of the earth. I can't, you know. And he found it to be the coolest little place. And everybody really welcomed him and helped him in so many different ways. And he's graduated. He um, arranged for a party on the town dock this spring um, after the graduation to show thank you for what he has get, received back from the community and talks about how just trying to set up the, the party here. So many people have helped in so many ways. And... You know, it is kind of an asset to be, um, you know, kind of small and, and uh, remote in some ways. 
Well, it is. I mean, Castine's a wonderful little town, a uh, little different than it was in 1969 when I came there, but still a, a great place to live, great place to raise a family. And uh, and I, I find the, the people of Castine and, and the surrounding area are very welcoming to uh, students that come from away. Uh, a lot of the students from out of state don't have the opportunity to go home on the weekend, so uh, their family becomes people in Castine and in the area, and, and certainly uh, Curtis is a good example of that. When I say the end of the earth, too, it's uh, kind of a joke because Castine in the old days was one of the most strategic locations, uh, certainly in this area, you know. That's why um, it's been fought over so many times and claimed by, what, four different countries, I think, at various times. Uh, um, the Penobscot Expedition of 1779, probably the worst naval disaster in U.S. history happened in Castine uh, back in the Revolution and stuff. And again, um, in the days where everything moved by water, it was a very strategic spot, the mouth of the Penobscot there. Um, you guys have a very um, uh, vibrant waterfront program, too. We had Sam Teal over here a couple years back. And... Um, Want to talk about uh, the uh, state of Maine and the Bowdoin for a minute here? Well, Not we to have, mention all the little boats. Well, that's right. Uh, you know, I, I believe at the last count we have about 100 boats at uh, Maine Maritime Academy, uh, ranging from our sailing fleet all the way up to the 500-foot state of Maine. And in between, we have uh, a type, uh, different types of program bo boats. Uh, we have certainly the Bowdoin, which is the sort of the training ship of our small vessel operations program. We have what uh, uh, used to be called the MC Hill. We just replaced that here recently, which is a navigation training boat. Uh, we, Got we, a tugboat? We have the, oh, absolutely, the tugboat and the barge, actually the only maritime academy in the country that has uh, both a tug and a barge and, and, and do a lot of work uh, with our students in the uh, tug barge business. Which is huge. It's, it's Most very, of the American uh, merchant marine moves up and down the coast of America in tugs and barges, uh, literally. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, quite often you'll hear that the state of the U.S. merchant fleet is not good. I worry about it. But uh, the nice thing about this country is that uh, we do have a very robust uh, uh, coastal fleet uh, and inland water systems and the supply boats, uh, you know, just the the boat supplying the, the oil rigs and, and soon to be the the wind, the offshore wind power stations. I think people fail to realize that you put these big wind towers out in the ocean, uh, you have to maintain them. Uh, you don't drive a truck out there. You have to have a specialized boat. You have to go out and make sure that they're working, make the repairs to them. So I think there could be a, a pretty significant in industry that will support the offshore wind industry that will include boats and, and te technologists. And it's very important to get people out on the water. That's such a huge part of the experience. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we do it. It's like having a football team, except for better. Absolutely. You know, yeah. in some no. ways, yeah. And we do. We have a very strong sailing program. Uh, all of our students uh, in the any any of the majors that require them to go on the water as in their career uh, are required to be on the water during their four years of uh, studies at the academy. Let's go back to uh, the main, uh, the U.S. Merchant Fleet for a minute. Uh, things that move between U.S. ports go in, in U.S. ships with uh, U.S. Uh, seamen on them. But all the other stuff that comes to America, 
comes in foreign vessels with foreign crews and stuff, and, and we don't own any of those ships. That's what that's one thing that worries me. If anybody gets mad at us, they won't send the stuff for the Walmart, you know. And uh, so anyway, are there... Um, Opportunities for do you do you place people on uh, foreign vessels as well, uh, um, or, or do most of your uh, seagoing graduates go into like say the the U.S. coastal kind of fleet? I'd say most most of the graduates go either U.S. coastal or uh, deep sea American flag ships, but the world is changing. Uh, about seven years ago, Maine Maritime Academy was one of the founding universities of the International Association of Maritime Universities, uh, uh, a group sponsored by the Nippon Foundation in Japan. And it was founded because Japan is having basically the same problems. They're, they're losing their the number of people that uh, the Japanese citizens that are willing to go to sea. So I, I think as you see the world maritime industry change, you're going to find more and more opportunities for U.S merchant mariners aboard foreign flag uh, ships. The, the salary differential used to be fairly significant. That salary differential is uh, closed in quite it's a bit. It's the whole American worker problem, isn't it? We need to be paid too much. Well, it's, it's a problem. I never think you can be paid too much, but uh, uh, it, it is a... <laughs> well, but a pair, uh, compared to some uh, fellow from Indonesia who's, you know, uh, hasn't got many needs, and he's pretty happy to be in that engine room almost 24-7, and, you know, like I say. There it is. I mean, the, the technology has changed so much today that you really, you know, you used to be able to gain your merchant mariner's license going up through the hose pipe. Uh, a little more difficult today because of uh, international regulations, but also because of the uh, change in the technology. Uh, you know, when I first came to Mar Maine Maritime Academy, uh, the deck students used the sextant and the engineering students use the slide rule uh, and maybe just starting to use the little handheld calculator. Today, uh, I, mean, I think if you asked any of our engineers, they wouldn't know what a slide rule was. Uh, the deck students still know what a sextant is because we require them to, to use it. Uh, that always works. <laughs> <laughs> that always works. Slide rule becoming an antique. The yeah. slide rule yeah. is an antique, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a miracle, you know, the uh, whole uh, democratization of navigation has been kind of good for boating and it's kind of scary too because everybody maybe not should be out there <laughs> ramming around thinking that they can uh, always know what's going on you know and and people don't learn uh, the hard gradual way like they used to is one thing that I worry about but um, who's one, uh one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight of course is, thank is you a call in show yeah. if anybody would like to uh, Add their two cents worth, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Yeah, hopefully Len will uh, stay for a couple more minutes before he's got to uh, drive off to Boston this morning. Um, who's replacing you, and what's the future for Maine Maritime Academy? Uh, good question. Uh, the future, I think, is very, very bright for Maine Maritime Academy. Uh, my replacement is uh, Dr. Bill Brennan. I couldn't picked a better person if I had the choice to pick. I mean, it was a it was decision made by the Board of Trustees, but uh, Bill comes with a very excellent background uh, for Maine Maritime Academy. He's, uh, his connections to Castine are very deep and, and long. Uh, he, he, I first met him as a teenager when uh, I first moved to Castine. His father was our commandant of midshipmen. His father's a graduate of the academy. Bill's background is uh, he's commissioner of Marine uh, marine resources for the state. He's been deputy undersecretary for uh, commerce with NOAA. 
Uh, he sailed uh, as an AB years ago after getting out of college. Uh, I think he has a good sense of humor, which uh, you definitely need in, in that position. So I, I think Bill is going to be a, a, a great leader of the academy in the years to come. Excellent. And yeah, that's uh, great. That's great. And your state of Maine uh, training vessel is out right now? Right. The state of Maine left and uh, actually left port last Tuesday, a week ago today. And uh, it had to hang around an extra day to, because our lacrosse, men's lacrosse team had made a playoff and uh, they were playing down in Boston. There was uh, three or four key players on that team that had to join the ship. So it sailed around Rockland for a day or two. And, Held a uh, ship for a long <laughs> Wow. Well, these are some of the decisions that the president has to make. Wow. Yeah. Well, and as the old football coach, that was a no-brainer, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so they, they picked up the, the people off Rockland, uh, the players, and, and now they're uh, heading over to uh, Marseille, France. It's their first, first port of call. I'd encourage people on the listening to go on the www.mma.edu page and uh, and you'll see a picture of the ship and click on that and you can follow the the ship day to day. You get some great information from Captain Larry Wade about what's going on out there. You get some great pictures and uh, uh, it's it's an interesting. He he makes it an interesting website. And they're also uh, oh I'm trying to think of the guy's name Bill. Uh, He's made some model boats with GPS trackers in them, and the state of Maine is, is letting them off in different points of the ocean, and then we just see where the currents and winds take them. Um, that's being done again this year. Yes, it has. Yeah, that was a, a nice uh, thing that we did last year, and I guess it's been interesting following the boats and seeing where they, where they have gone. Yep, you can uh, go on the web to boattracker.com and see where these little model boats uh, end up, and it's a kind of a drift current experiment. The first ones that he, he uh, let off in Newfoundland the year we talked to him a year ago, they uh, went around in circles off of Newfoundland then ended up on a beach. <laughs> and he got a call from some fisherman saying, I found this guy on the cliff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, kind of cool experiment. And there's uh, so many ways it can be interesting and connected. And again, the thing about, um, well, here's a, where's a nice quote here. Janice Zenter. Do you know Janice Zenter by any chance? Uh, I don't know who she is. Uh, Jan, Jan's our public relations director. Well, then she's done a good job with this <laughs> quote here. It says, uh, when people are seafarers, they tend to be resourceful and know how to do it all. Because you got to. Otherwise, yeah. the sea's going to hand you your lunch and, you know, bury you. So. Well, that's, you know, when I, as I say, I was admissions director for a number of years and, and trying to sell Maine Maritime Academy to students. Uh, that was one of the selling points. Uh, a ship is a floating city or nation, whatever you want to call it. When you get 1,500, 2,000 miles offshore, uh, you don't have the fire department, the, the ambulance. Uh, you have to do all those things yourself. Uh, and and so they become very uh resourceful and and how they get things done uh it, it's an interesting education because because of that uh you know they have to take firefighting they have to take ship's medicine uh they have to know about hydraulics you can't call on a machinist uh, if something goes wrong so you have to be able to reproduce parts in a machine lathe and uh, so you become very resourceful and and i think that translates to uh uh, great skills at, at sea, but it also relates to great skills uh, once you come to shore uh, and and work uh, simple as working around your house or working in a power plant in the state of Maine. Yeah, or yeah. like say climbing up and maintaining a windmill. Pe people in Maine generally are very resourceful. Uh, 
to, to be able to build and repair things. It just uh, it always amazes me. Uh, some of these people just turn to and do it. <laughs> well, Red, I think that's yeah. one of the, the strong points about Maine Maritime Academy. Uh, yeah. the and same. there's still future opportunities for other programs, I, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 What you hear, when I, when I go around the country and I talk to uh, the, the operators of ships and the owners of shipping companies, uh, when they talk about Maine Maritime Academy, they always say, give me a Maine guy because they're not afraid to get their hands dirty. Yeah. And I think that's that's the skill that I mean we we give them the the technical skills, but the one thing that you can't instill in them is that work ethic, which comes from. I I also get a chuckle out of one thing. Uh, I used to say, uh, my wife runs Maine Maritime Academy South. <laughs> the weekend after weekend, there'd be eight or ten kids show up at our house in the sailing team. <laughs> Quite a quite an experience. Well, uh, you know, Giffy, you know, we, you know, your son graduated from the academy. He's one of our great graduates. Uh, went on to be a captain with Exxon and had a distinguished career there. And he still is very much involved with Maine Maritime Academy, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. helping us with our fundraising events. Yeah, I hear Portland. about it. I'm I sure know. you do. <laughs> My uncle was helping run the uh, Casco Bay chapter, does an auction at the Maine Boat Builder Show, and uh, helped run that this spring, just for instance, you know, and uh, has nothing but good things to say about his education in the place. We're talking to uh, President Len Tyler, uh, outgoing president of Maine Maritime Academy this morning. We got him for a couple more minutes. He's going to drive off to Boston. You've got a question now. Be a good time to call. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the number into the studio. Yep. Uh, Len, I want to tell you a little uh, story I have from a, another MMA graduate. Uh, you're talking about main guys not really afraid to get their hands dirty and you know, being creative and inventive and all that sort of stuff. One of the other sides of the story is I guess every freshman at some point or other during the first year has to sit down to a formal supper with you and your wife. Uh, sort of a, a white glove meal, as it were, and they're, they're actually graded on the supper. And some of these guys say that's just terrifying to them because you know the, the way a lot of people in Maine are grown up are pretty uh, pretty informal. You know, you might sit down at a, a supper, and or you might just sit in front of the TV and you know have your parents around, but sit down at a formal dinner where you know you're going to be graded for which f- fork is the right <laughs> fork for you for your salad and so forth. It must have been quite a challenge and. Uh, also a challenge for you, too, because you got to know all the uh, the proper etiquette and to be able to grade these guys. <laughs> My wife had to know all the proper etiquette. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, that's great. It's really great, you know, I think. Well, yeah. it, it is. You know, it was a great opportunity. We we did it at the house, and we'd have 25 students at a, at a time. They had to go through a receiving line, uh, and then they had to sit and, and uh, carry on a conversation at about five different tables, which we had uh, faculty members and, and other staff that would, that would be there. And it, it's a great, it was a great opportunity for me because uh, before I became president, you, you knew the students, uh, all the students on a day-to-day basis. They say in, in becoming president, you really knew the students. You either knew the very good ones or the ones who were having a little bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the dining in program uh, gave me an opportunity to to really sit down and have a yeah. two hour conversation with uh, with students from uh, you know, all, all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was a great opportunity. And I think you'd find that once they once they got to the house, uh, it was a pretty relaxed uh, atmosphere. And uh, I think also 
ultimately they'll come back and they'll tell my wife in particular that uh, thank her because when they went for their first job interview, that was important. Uh, yeah, uh, for when sure. You, you go in there and knowing what what fork to use and mm-hmm. and how to sort of carry on a good conversation. Maine Maritime and Charm Academy, Finish, finishing <laughs> school for boys and girls. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. But what was it like buying the state of Maine, the ship? Buying it? Yeah. We don't and own it. Uh, it, it happened on your watch, though, right? It, it did. You know, the the state of Maine is provided by the uh, Maritime Administration, and they provide all of the major uh, repairs and renovations to it. Uh, really, uh, the state of Maine couldn't afford it uh, because of the cost of, uh, you know, major renovations to it. I'd say that that was would rank up there as one of the top things that we accomplished during my administration because we had we had another ship that they were preparing for us uh, that was only 400 feet long. It was uh, 1973 vintage. Uh, it was way too small in the engine room, and so we were we were fortunate enough that the maritime administrator at the time and uh, give our chairman of our board was Bill Haggett out of Bath Iron Works. Uh, we went and we found this other ship. Uh, they had just laid it up uh, down in, in Virginia. It was built in 1989, finished in 1990, used for about six or eight months. It was it was pristine. So uh, we got that ship, and had we been stuck with the other one, I, I think it would have been uh, very, very difficult for Maine Maritime to compete with the other academies. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we have, uh, even 14, 15 years later, we still have the, the most modern, uh, the newest training ship of all the state academies. So... Uh, we're, we're very fortunate. Well, right now, our biggest problem is it's it's getting a little small for us. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've had to. Uh, we thought we were going to have to ship out a couple of our students over to New York Maritime Academy this year, but fortunately, it turned out we were able to put them all on. Nice problem to have. Too it successful. Problem. Yeah. Too successful. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, again, we're talking with uh, Len Taylor, uh, Tyler of uh, Maine Maritime Academy this morning. We're going to let you go in a minute here, so you can drive down to Boston, Len. And uh, we're coming up on the halfway point of Boat Talk this morning. And, of course, it is a call-in show. And if we, uh, you know, don't talk to you, we won't be happy. So you can give us a call anytime, 1-866-625-9378. What else, boys? Well, I have another little quick update, too. Uh, another story that we've been following a bit is uh, Plastiki, the uh, folks out in uh, San Francisco who built a boat, um, uh, catamaran that's floated by uh, 12,500 recycled soda bottles. And they're sailing from uh, San Francisco to um, Sydney, Australia by way of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is uh, quite an ecological disaster happening out there in the Pacific. It's not getting as much news as the Gulf of Mexico, but still um, they're trying to bring up some uh, some important uh, information that... that uh, Plastic is happening in in the uh, Pacific. Anyway, p- Plastiki is right now just about at the equator. I checked t- this morning, and their lo- their location was one degree north, and they have a speed of three point six miles. So they're still got quite a ways to go at a slow speed. But they have passed the uh, the Pacific garbage patch, and there's lots of good blogs about that too. If anybody wants more information, uh, just go to the Plastiki. That's uh, T-H-E-P-L-A-S-T-I-K-I dot com, and it'll give you some good information on that. We have a phone caller, so let's let's go to that right now. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. 
Good morning. This is Sonny from Penobscot. Hi, Sonny. Morning, Sonny. Hi, hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Um, I was just going to say, I was a captain for many years, uh, and I want to thank Dr. Tyler very much for providing me with some of the best officers I've ever had. Uh, I think the difference between Maine Maritime Academy and the rest is they've got some secret course called Humility 101, <laughs> where they actually pay attention to the expertise of the unlicensed personnel on board. And I just want to thank you. Sonny, um, you know, uh, I know you and we're, we're uh, friends, and I don't want to impinge your reputation in, in any way, but you're not a main Maritime graduate, are you? No, I'm a Haas Piper. Um, didn't you go to Mass Maritime? No. No. Come up the Haas Pipe. Well, those are the old days, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I sailed three years straight uh, with no time off to get my license. Wow. Boy. So, but anyway, thank you, Mr. Tyler. Well, well, thank you. And uh, I would say the Haas Pipe is the way to go. They, they uh, really uh, learned the business from the ground up, and I think that's one thing that uh, uh, Maine Maritime Academy graduates do as well. They, they get a chance to... Uh, to learn the industry, uh, one one difference now, you know, our, our students all have to go cadet shipping at some point uh, mm -hmm. for the summer, which gives them an opportunity to really experience firsthand what the industry is all about. And in, in some cases, uh, they find out that it's not for them uh, early on, and they can move into something different. Uh, different, but um, I appreciate the call, and uh, we hope we'll continue in the years ahead to produce uh, top quality. Deck and engineering officers. For the well, engine. I hope so too, uh, because I think one of the main things you teach your students is how to listen, and that's appreciated. And thank you very much. I'll get offline. One more question for you, Sonny. Yeah. Would it be fair to say about your seagoing career that it was not just a job, but also an adventure? I loved it. I loved it. I felt very fortunate to be paid extremely well for something I'd gladly done for room and board. Yeah. 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 Good deal. Thanks for calling this morning. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah. Well, like I say, we're doing boat talk. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. We'll, uh, like I say, we can we can pretty much turn you loose and get you on the highway, Len. Um, really enjoyed having you this morning. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been great being here, and uh, uh, it's fun and easy. It's uh, like I say, uh, we weren't. Uh, uh, we, we didn't get too nervous when you come in about the formalities and, when, and whether we were using the right fork or anything. It seemed to be pretty <laughs> easy to talk to and. No, it's been a lot of fun. Sorry I didn't get you to one of those dinners. <laughs> and I thank you, too, for all the opportunities you've given these young people. Well, thank you, Giffy. It, it's, it's been a pleasure. You know, uh, working at Maine Maritime Academy, uh, the, the, nice, the greatest thing about being in one place like this for 40 years is that you, you see a guy like your son at, at 18 year old, uh, and then you see him 30 years later yeah. as, as being successful in their <laughs> Don't career. Don't remind me. <laughs> <Yeah. years later. laughs> but it, it is. It's it's just, uh, and that's what's kept me yeah. at the academy all these years is the you know what I see as the end product uh, that we've been uh, working on and, and what happens to him. Wow. Those 40 years have passed quickly. Too fast. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for uh, for all you've done and for. Uh, making Maine Maritime Academy the great school that it is now. It started out basically as a, uh, a World War One, uh, World War Two, excuse me, 1941, uh, just making crew for the, the victory ships, and now you've become <coughs> this very fine academic institution. Well, it has, and, uh, you know, I 
I, I get all the accolades here lately about how well I've done, but you know, it's it's a team effort. Uh, we had a great team down there uh, of uh, senior management, uh, wonderful faculty. Uh, we, we're very fortunate that I think sometimes uh, great faculty also appreciate great uh, living conditions, a great way of yeah. life, and we end up with some talented people. We can't pay them what they could what they could get at some of the other uh, colleges and universities, but. Uh, they come down there and they are dedicated to the students and uh, and, and that pays off in the okay. end. Well, we do have a phone call. Let's go to that. Maybe actually relevant to you. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hello, this is Greg Weeder. Good morning. Hi, hi. I'm a faithful listener from far away today. I happen to be on Deer Isle listening on the air, but I wanted to bring up a few comments about uh, maritime education in Maine. Um, my career now is as a marine surveyor in Louisville, Kentucky on the Ohio River. and uh, uh, we got to fix you up with our school bus buddy down there. Who's your school bus buddy? Mark Rorig, and he's converted a school bus to sail around the world. He launched it in the Ohio River in Louisville, Kentucky, and he yep. may need a marine surveyor. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to be another entire book. We'll talk, talk more show. later about that. <laughs> right. Well, uh, Giffy's not going to remember me, but uh, way back in, uh, let me see, probably 81 or 82, I decided I wanted to come to Maine and uh, go to Wooden Boat School, and he was uh, one of my instructors. And uh, Giffy, I've stuck with it all these years. I'm coming up on my 30th year this uh, August as a Marine surveyor. And uh, I, I uh, was in the Merchant Marine for, oh, I don't know, on and off for six years during college, and then uh, went ashore for a little while, and then started working on the towboats on the Mississippi and Ohio River systems. And one thing led to another, and I heard about marine surveying, so I decided to look into it, and Wooden Boat School gave me an opportunity to learn about the pleasure boat side of it, uh, although I learned on the job, up the hawse pipe, as you'd say, uh, on the uh, commercial-type surveys. But I, what, what my point is is that uh, Maine provides a lot of education for uh, not only seafarers that are going straight to sea, but for their uh, later careers when they may choose not to go to sea anymore. They want to get a, a, a shore-side job, but in the, in, in the maritime industry. And a lot of my colleagues in the marine survey business were Maine Maritime graduates or any of the other uh, maritime schools. Um, in my work as a marine surveyor, I deal with uh, maritime academy graduates that were that are now insurance adjusters, they're port captains, they're port engineers, and uh, involved in, in many unusual facets of the marine industry that people really don't think about. Excellent. It kind of surprised me there was so much surveying work in Louisville, but it's, uh, it's a major port on the river there. So, yeah, there's lots of boats. Well, it is. I mean, Kentucky, uh, like Maine, has a tradition of boat building, although most of our boat builders are building in welded aluminum and welded steel before the recession hit uh i i'd say five years ago or ten years ago we probably had uh 15, 15 boat builders that had a waiting list of year year and a half huh. building uh big aluminum houseboats people don't appreciate how much stuff moves on u.s rivers oh that's right it's it's the silent giant it's clean it's efficient it's quiet and uh um 
uh, let me see, the last statistics I heard were that uh, the traffic on the Ohio River is 40%, 47% coal. And wow. uh, the next largest commodity, I think, is 17% stone products, like limestone, gravel, sand, things like that. And then there's a smattering of other important cargoes, petroleum and chemicals and so on. And um, in my particular marine survey practice, uh, most of what we do are draft surveys on barges. Calculate the tonnage of the of the cargo loaded or unloaded from the barge. And because everything's moving on barges. That's right. Yeah. Very interesting, Greg. Very glad to talk to you this morning. Just mention, Greg, that the point you're making, I think, about the opportunities in the uh, for Maritime Academy graduates and people in the maritime field is, is a good one. I think most people think when you go to a maritime academy that uh, if you don't if you don't get a job on a ship as an engineer as a deck officer that you you know your your education's wasted. That's far from the truth. I mean, it, you uh, like say surveying, marine insurance, uh, boat building, shipbuilding. Uh, I know at Bath Ironworks there's uh, 100 MMA graduates who work down there. If you go out to NASCO shipping out in. Uh, San Diego, the right from the president all the way down, there is a lot of Maine Maritime Academy graduates. These uh, classification societies, American Bureau of Shipping and DNV, and uh, have Maritime Academy graduates. So there's there's uh, tremendous opportunities off the ships for uh, graduates of these maritime academies or people in the maritime field. And I think sometimes that is overlooked. Right, and and, and the graduates that 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 I deal with have a lot of pride because. Uh, Many of their signatures at the end of their emails or their letters will will be accompanied by MMA 86, meaning Maine Maritime Academy Class of 86, or KP uh, 79, something Bunch for key points. <laughs> right, so there's a lot of pride out there. The yeah. other thing I wanted to uh, bring up is uh, last summer I brought my Sea Scout sh- ship up to Maine. There's We brought about seven kids. We teach them about... Uh, sailing and power boating on the Ohio River, and I wanted them to get a little coastal experience. So during our time up here, we were uh, graciously welcomed at Maine Maritime for a tour, so we got to look at your wonderful fleet of boats and took a nice tour through the state of Maine. We had a great time. Greg, you take those kids and show them the ocean, you could change their lives. That's pretty serious business there. And, and, and that's, that's the point of it. That's the point of it. Uh, we're uh, especially proud of one of our Sea Scouts that became quartermaster, that's the uh, equivalent in Sea Scouting of the Eagle Award in Boy Scouting. And uh, our first quartermaster, by the time he was uh, 20, 21, he'd, he'd gotten his 100-ton master's license. And uh, I uh, was uh, relief captain on the, on the passenger vessel that he was the senior captain on at, at uh, 22 years old. Nice. 140-foot boat. Um, I think it had a certificate of inspection for 300 passengers, and that uh, we're real proud of him for doing that. And he's Very still nice. at it. I yeah. mean, he's in his sixth year of being a, a, a master now. Excellent. Greg, very happy to talk yeah. to you this morning. I like to talk to you happy again Happy you've done well. <laughs> Weren't you lucky to run into Giffy and get some lessons? Don't you know it, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for calling this morning, Greg. Okay. Thank, thank you, Greg. Yeah. Thank you. Phone's ringing, still kind of getting a little antsy about turning you loose. you got a, like, say, a five-hour drive. and uh, So anyway, the phone just rang it again. Somebody there? Not quite yet. Not quite yet. Yep. Um, and again, uh, I'd go back to uh, it's not just a job, it's an adventure. 
you know. And uh, the other thing is that the planet's mostly water. You can go anywhere on the planet by water pretty much. And um, things show up uh, surprisingly in different places because it's literally all connected. And that's not an inconsiderable little little fact of life, I don't think. Yes, we do have that another phone call now. Let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Uh, this is Pat Ryan from the Compass Project. Oh, good morning, Pat. Down in Portland. Yes, how are you? Good. Uh, on the subject of maritime education for younger um, younger students, uh, the Compass Project does boat building programs with at-risk youth um, from elementary school to high school here in Portland. And I just wanted to let your listeners know that we're doing a special community event in Belfast uh, this summer uh, from August uh, 20th to 22nd. Um, and it's an opportunity for people to have a hands-on experience of building a boat, whether they're a family or uh, a youth group. And I uh, just thought it would uh, be something that your listeners might uh, want to participate in. Is it sort of like the uh, uh, boat building challenge, which is done for speed, but done for families and, and not, not much of a race? Is that the idea? Yes, this is uh, kind of slow boat building yeah. <laughs> as opposed to uh, the boat building challenge. But we are part of Harbor Fest. And uh, Harbor Fest is one day, which is on the 21st, I believe. And ours is a two-and-a-half-day event from the 20th through the 22nd. Can't wait to see you there, Pat. Well, we hope to see you there. Yeah, I believe you might. Okay. So uh, your, your information, uh, again, please, Pat. Um, it is called the Community Boat Building Event. Um, it's presented by the Compass Project. It's on August uh, 20th through the 22nd. Uh, no skills necessary. Um, team of five people can build a boat in two and a half days and have a lot of fun doing it. Sounds like fun, yes. It is. All right, so thank you very much, Pat. Oh, what's your website? Our website is www.compassproject.org, and there's registration information there. Very good. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy listening to Boat Talk. Okay, thank you. We do have another caller. Let's go right to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Um, I wanted to touch just a tiny bit on... um, the dining-in program that is offered at Maine Maritime Academy. The purpose for it is to prepare. Lenny knows it's me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you got that He right. just kind of mouthed my wife. <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> um, the purpose of it is to prepare the students for their interviews and for future um, life. And... Uh, what we're trying to do is if you've got two people that are equally qualified for a particular job and usually the um, PR person or your boss will take you out to lunch or dinner um, and mind you, you've got the two equally qualified uh, people for the same job, the one who's going to get the job is the one that is going to be able to hold his own and act with a little class at the table rather than the real slob. So um, that's the purpose of dining in. Excellent yes. uh, observation sure. And, sure. and well put and well done. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Anything to add, honey? No, I'll pick <laughs> you up in a few minutes to drive to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting ready. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you, Mrs. Tyler. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. 
Oh, phone's ringing again. Again, uh, the subject so far has been uh, mostly Maine Maritime Academy. We also have uh, Tom McKay uh, sitting here. We like to uh, talk to about his boat and adventures before we get done, but the phone's ringing again. And say good morning, Alan. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Well, good morning to you. I was just on. I just wanted, I, I think probably Giffy can ask this, uh, answer this question, but I'd like to know the status of the Jones Act and how hard they're trying to repeal it. Okay. The, the, Jones Act. the Jones Act is the act that says, uh, the way I understand it, that any cargo that moves between a U.S. port has to go in a U.S. flag vessel. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, but sometimes uh, it gets out of hand. Well, I know it was enacted back you know, when Alaska was a territory uh, by a Jones from Seattle, I think. But it, you know, it states that no cargo loaded in one U.S. port can be discharged in the same U.S. port or, or another U.S. port under foreign flag. And so that's that's mainly why we mainly have a coastal that, that fleet now. That is the Jones Act. Yes. Uh, and they've been trying to repeal it repeatedly over the years. Now, once they do, we won't have a merchant <laughs> marine anymore. As many things, it's a kind of a labor race to the bottom to find the cheapest person you can get to do that job. And, again, uh a vessel which may not be meeting all the specifications an American flag vessel meets. Uh, you know, what does Liberia care about the state of this vessel with exactly. its flag on it, just for instance? Gen generally speaking, from my experience, American flag vessels have to have to meet stricter standards. And it costs more money. Yes, and they're taxed more. Uh, but, I, I mean, I remember uh, at sea, if we saw a vessel at night with red over red, it was either Greek or Liberian, and everybody was asleep. Explain that red over red it would be the lights uh, being shown as a signal of, of the state of the vessel. Yeah, red over red, Captain is dead. Yeah, that's the little <laughs> moniker, <laughs> and, which means yeah. that that vessel is uh, not not uh, moving under its own control, and you best be uh, careful around it. Yeah, and they're yeah. having a problem over there. Exactly, and you a, knew they were either Greeks or Liberians. Yeah, uh, and they're all passed out. Pretty much, or otherwise occupied. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but um, anyway, uh, you know, I just like to uh, was wondering if anybody knew the status if that they were planning another attack on it or what. Well, I think it, uh, you know, the, it's constantly under attack. Uh, so far, it's always been able to be fended off, uh, and it's usually the Midwest farmers that lead the attack, even though they receive quite a bit of subsidy for their farm products, but. Uh, so far, it's been fended off, and, and uh, we've been able to maintain a, you know, a, a strong a merchant marine U.S. flag fleet as, as possible. Yeah, we've got to. And as you understand, I mean, the largest U.S. flag shipping company is MSC, uh, Military Sea Lift Command. Which exactly. Is a, a government. Uh, and those boats are something of a, um, uh, my uncle works with those sometimes. Oh, and, I've shipped uh, on them. They're not all they're, they're rated to be sometimes. Oh, we I have flew them. a bunch of tanks to Iraq because we didn't have the ships to take those tanks to Iraq. Mm -hmm. We flew tanks to Iraq. Yeah. yeah. That was, you know, there, there's, there's some exceptions. If, uh, if a foreign vessel is seized and auctioned off by the federal marshal, Okay, that's a federal auction. Mm -hmm. That boat comes out of that with an American certificate. Even though it isn't uh, but built it, it has design. to be a seized boat, and it can be not cannot be auctioned by anybody except 
a federal marshal. Cool. Yeah, but uh, so far as you know, uh, the Jones Act is safe at this time. Yep. Yeah, and in a sense, uh, it's an attempt to offshore our onshore jobs, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, we will have no more merchant fleet in the United States. And if they get mad at us and they don't send us our stuff on uh, that they make in, in the factories we've shipped them uh, on the boats that were, you know, we're, what's going to happen at the Walmart? Now, that applies to smaller vessels, too. No, 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 yeah, oh, yes, it does. I know it does. Uh, but, you know, in that scenario... Then we'd have to go to war because we'd have to go get them, wouldn't we? Like I say, um, everybody needs Navy, and you need to be able to move things around by water. Absolutely. That's, you know, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, even the Phoenicians knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for calling back, Sonny. Yes. Yeah. And once again, we're doing boat talk this morning. Tom, we got to talk to you for just a minute. I brought him all the way over here. He uh, sailed into Southwest Harbor from Rockland yesterday, which was a pretty uh, breezy, uh, cold day. Took him all day, and I went down and fetched him last night and fed him and kept him on my couch. And uh, Tom is the middle son from uh, of George McKay, um, uh, who built Raw Faith down to Addison. Um, Alan and I went down there after we saw a piece on the TV news by Bill Green of these people building a galleon with a nail gun. And I said, you can't do that. And we went right down to, to straighten them out, and Tom and I took to each other right away, and we've been pretty close friends ever since. Um, speaking of Bill Green, there was a piece on the WLBZ News last night. Bill Green has um, uh, been reviewing, uh, revisiting Raw Faith, and there was a, a very nice piece on the news last night, and you can see it at WLBZ.com. Click on Bill Green there. WLBZ2.com. Yeah. Um, Tom, you, uh, you know, ended up in a family that built this boat. See you later, Len. Thanks for coming. Yeah. You, um, you know, kind of kind of happened into this uh, boat building project through your dad, who received a call from God, and, uh, you know, you spent your uh, uh, late uh, teenage years building this boat, and somehow or another, you become infected with your own boat dream. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's the way it happens. Yeah, and uh, knowing me, uh, we talked, and, and uh, you pointed out a couple boats that you wanted to buy, and... Best advice I ever give anybody in my life, Tom, buy a piece of land. <laughs> and uh, one boat in particular, I says, no, nah, not that one, Tom, but you bought it. And uh, it's called Lucky 7. It's an Irwin 28. And yep. this year you tried to sail from uh, where you've been living in Bucksport Harbor there down to the Caribbean. Yep, it uh, didn't turn out quite the way I wanted it to, but it was an amazing adventure and uh, certainly don't regret it in the slightest. Where'd you end up? I actually only made it to Portsmouth, Virginia. Which is the top of the intercoastal waterway, which most people would, uh, you know, use to get that far south. You kind of left late, which is, uh, is always a problem. I've left late and got, got in trouble myself. Um, you had a, a couple of nice adventures. For instance, uh, Tom called me one day. He's uh, trying to get down the coast of New Jersey, and it was after Christmas, wasn't it, by then? Yeah, that was, that was uh, mid-January. Yeah. Not a lot of uh, good ports to call on the coast of New Jersey. Uh, it's a tough place. I've made a lot of winter deliveries through there. Yeah, and in, in a sense, if you're going down the coast, you can be uh, go through the Cape Cod Canal, you're in Buzzards Bay and behind Long Island. But when you get past New York, you've got to go out in the open ocean on the coast of New Jersey to get down to the Chesapeake and Delaware Bays, which is where you were headed. You called me from Cape May, New Jersey one night and says, Mike, yep. I'm in Cape May, which way should I go next? And I says, well... <laughs> 
if you look at the map, it looks really quick to get to the Chesapeake offshore. But have you been enjoying your midwinter offshore experiences? I said, Tom. Not, not really. That's pretty bit, pretty rough. Did you see a lot of other people like you out there? That they were all gone because you were so late. So anyway, no. uh, but here's the punchline. Uh, Tom called up. I says, Look, if you want to go down the Chesapeake, Tom, you have to go up the Delaware Bay, across the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal, and then down the Chesapeake, the inside route. Okay, avoids going outside um, into the open ocean again to get in the mouth of the Chesapeake. So Tom uh, goes up the Delaware Bay. It's a bit of a slog. He gets <laughs> to the days. Chesapeake and Delaware Canal. What'd you find, Tom? Well, I found a lot of ice along the way. Yeah, plenty of ice. Flows. <laughs> and then when I finally got up to the canal, they had closed it. It was yeah. frozen. <laughs> it was frozen over. That doesn't happen all the time, Tom. I, I've been through there in a snowstorm when they closed it. Wow. That was some bad luck anyway. Did they let you out or you had to yeah. stop? No, well, no. They told us to get underway because the snow stopped. Okay. Uh, 20 minutes later, it shut down, and we had to keep going, and I couldn't see anything. I was lucky. I heard a tug ahead of us, <laughs> and I, I got right behind him. <laughs> yeah, an icebreaker. He had like radar it. and everything, and I didn't. Yeah. I'm so sorry we haven't got more time this morning. We're running <clears> right <throat> into the end of the Boat Talk corner here, but uh, Tom literally is uh, living on his boat, and... Uh, you know, trying to cruise around, hopefully. Um, no fixed means of support, Tom. Um, you know, nope. and the money comes and the money goes. You're going to work for me for a few days now, try to get a couple bucks. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, traveling optimistically, but you got your home on your back. You're living in your shell, so to speak, and, and what can go wrong, you know? I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So well, anyway... Tell us why you didn't get any further than where where'd you fetch up? Norfolk or Great Bridge or something? Uh, Portsmouth, Virginia. And uh, I had a lot of a lot of complications along the way, a lot of weather problems, mostly motor problems. My motor kept uh, failing me, and I kept repairing it, and then get going. Outboard motor, which we discussed, might have been uh, problems with the ethanol that is in it now and trapping water and stuff. Yeah. And that cost you a lot of money, and your final solution was to rip it apart yourself, wasn't it? Yep, yep. And you could look much more happily on that motor after you'd had it apart and put it back together, couldn't you? Yeah, it, it builds a real level of confidence there in, in knowing that if you are offshore somewhere and it fails, again, you, you have to be sufficient on your own. You can't, you can't just call somebody out. So. And the other guy, you give him, what, three or $500 a couple of times, and, oh, I'm sorry, it doesn't work either, you know. So, right. Yeah. So. Oh, the life where, of adventure. That's yeah. what we were talking this where, morning. Where did you fetch up in Portsmouth? Um... Uh, right on the corner of the point there, just uh, just across from uh, Norfolk. Yeah. 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 Well, well, in that creek before you get to the hospital. Or? Yeah. We, we gotta we gotta end it now. <laughs> we run out of time. Run Too much again. stuff to talk about. What a damn shame. The hour has sailed by. Got quick announcement that come boating is going to be starting up again down in Belfast too. Their first uh, first gig is down in um, May twenty second on Saturday. Saturday mornings going from 11 till noon. So anybody who wants to go for a row, go to Come Boating starting May 22nd. Time to make room for uh, Jim Bahoosh coming up next with On the Wing here on Community Radio, WERU-FM Blue Hill. Thanks to Amy down in the engine room for keeping things going. And talk to you later. 
Boat Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for power boats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com.